ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. This is your United States of America. It is Thursday. I mean, it is Friday. I mean, it is Saturday, September 29th, 2018. You are tuned into Season 2, Episode 38 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On this week's show, Rick and I are talking some Pac, some Stone Cold, some NFL, and by the end of this week's show, I'm going to tell you why Boston is literally a giant pile of trash. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. But of course, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome in my tag team partner, the man who hates Kentucky almost as much as I hate Boston, RBV. Rick, welcome back to the kitchen, brother, because we got some heat. It is uh, it is me. It's me. It's that order of heat. It would be Rick Vickery back again with the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. And I guess, brother, it, it is better late than never. The streak continues. Uh, we had discussed, you know, we've been at this for over a year. We've always delivered. We've talked about maybe taking a weekend off with everything that's life's got throwing at us right now. But you know what? But hey, we, we stayed true to who we are. And we've got a, another great episode on the way here. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what all is going to be on this week's show, but there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff. Let's go ahead and let's stick with the gimmick. Let's start things off. Huckleberry, did you get a chance to see this Thursday night football game? The Los Angeles Rams defeat the Minnesota Vikings 38 to 31 in the no defense bowl. I, I was going to say, you know, that they were they were lighting it up there. Uh, it's got to be a lot of concern in Minnesota. Uh, you know, they there was talks of you know a, a Super Bowl run, but kind of getting exposed by the Bills uh, two games ago has left them in a in a bad way. Uh, and then to go out here and lose another one back to back. They got to be worried a little bit up there. Well, at least they lost to the Rams, which are quite possibly the best offense that I've seen in a decade in the NFL. These guys, they're 4-0 and now, and they haven't scored under 30 points in any of their games. I think this stat was absolutely fascinating. Came across this one. Kirk Cousins, Mr. $28 million, is now 4-20 and against teams with a better than 500 record. Wow. Uh, and, you know, and all they, the the quarterback and carousel that we had there in Minnesota, and then that the, they essentially just dumped the entire crop from last year to go with Cousins here. And a lot of people were questioning that move. Should have stuck with Teddy Bridgewater, man. I really like Teddy Bridgewater. Now the heir apparent to Drew Brees down there in New Orleans. Not a whole lot going on this week inside of the NFL. In fact, Huckleberry, I think the most interesting game of the week is the Cleveland Browns at the 0-3 Oakland Raiders. 
I would say, you know, they're making making that big trip out west. All the excitement around the Browns right now. How are they going to come out? How are they going to follow up that big win, the, the first win in nearly two years? It, it's never easy traveling essentially, you know, all the way across the country uh, for, for in any sport. But I guess it's got to it's got to take a little of that sting away knowing that you're going into a, to play a Raiders team that is just, is just downright pitiful. Yeah. But on the other hand, congratulations, Baker Mayfield, your first road game is in the black hole. I mean, if he thought he dealt with some angry crowds before, welcome to fricking Oakland. Well, it, Hey, but you know, it's going to be a little bit of a homecoming for him. Yeah. He is a West coast kid, West coast kid. He, he's played out there in California. So it, it, it might be interesting to see what kind of reception he gets. I think it's the most fascinating game of the week. I'm, I'm fascinated to see just exactly how Baker Mayfield handles the black hole that is Oakland. And can the Browns win two games in a row? I couldn't even, I'm not sure that the Browns have ever won two games in a row since they have been reestablished because that team has been awful. Oh, no, come on. They, it hasn't been that bad. They made the playoffs before. Have they made the playoffs since like uh, the yeah. new the new Browns? Not yeah, the new Browns. The new Browns made the playoffs. I want to say it was like, oh, maybe it was ninety nine, early two thousands. Uh, but yeah, they made it there, and they were they were quickly eliminated by rival Pittsburgh. Ah, well, that's a nice swag segue because your Sunday night game that is going to be going up against New Japan Pro Wrestling Fighting Spirit on NJPW World, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, both of these teams are a little bit down, but rivalries are what really make the NFL. It's really what makes professional sports in general. Ravens and Steelers, I don't care what their records are. That's a big game. Yeah, two, uh, two big rivals. What are, you, are you trying to say that are, are you trying to say that it also applies in, in the world, you know, outside of professional wrestling where you, you have rivalries and in backstories that make something a little more interesting. Yeah, go figure. Whoever would have thought that storytelling would actually play a part in uh, this crazy world known as professional sports. Who are you liking, man? Ravens or Steelers? Where's this game at? In Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. Bright lights. Man, that is a tough one. I, I still just don't feel it with Pittsburgh. They have those little bits... They show you a little, little flashes of what they were expected to be, but I don't know so much. They have not played a strong second half all year, but you know, on the other side of the coin, there, Baltimore is so up and down themselves. Uh, it's really hard to tell, you know, which Ravens team that we're going to get. I'm actually going to go with. I'm going to take the Ravens in this one uh, by three. I'm with you. I'm going with the Ravens over the Steelers. The Ravens are actually. One of my sleeper picks for the Super Bowl this year. Flacco playing in a contract year. They drafted a quarterback last year, and Flacco has been on fire. Huckleberry, there's there's another sport going on that, you know, is, is starting to gain a little bit of relevance here, and it's called Major League Baseball. The Yankees have clinched home field. We're gonna play Oakland in the Bronx. That one makes me happy. But what I really wanted to ask you about, we we've given them no love whatsoever. How about the National League? This National League playoff race is a freaking mess with what's going on in the Central. Uh, you know, we've got some big games. I was actually just checking this out this morning uh, as we were getting ready to record. We've got a couple teams. We're, we're still set. 
St. Louis is trying to slide in there. Uh, they took a big loss yesterday. I, I didn't check the night scores, though. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we, we've got a, quite a, a two days of interesting baseball in the NL coming up. Between Chicago, St. Louis, and Milwaukee, two teams are getting in, and one of them is not, which is a damn shame. Well, it, is the, have the Dodgers, they haven't locked up a spot yet. No, they have not. So, well, I mean, actually, really, did the, didn't the Dodgers clinch last night? Now that you say that, possibly, because uh, I was just looking at that NL Central and I was looking at the stats, but I thought that there was a possibility. I, I could be wrong here. That as this actually hits the air, we're going to know a lot more about this. Uh, but I think that there there is a possibility where both wild cards come out of the Central. I think that's an absolute possibility as well. I'm actually going to the ESPN. So you could have three teams. You could have Chicago, St. Louis, and Milwaukee all into the playoffs. Yeah, Dodgers have not clinched as of yet. You have the Dodgers sitting at 89 and 71, so their magic number is actually one. If the Dodgers win one of these next two, they're in. If they lose them both and the Cardinals win them both, you could have all three teams coming out of the National League Central. And as you know, uh, our good friend of the GorillaPosition.com, Ryan Bowman, hey, he's he's covered St. Louis baseball for many, many years. He he knows how dangerous that team can be. If they slide in, they're a real threat to, to reach the series. I actually wanted to congratulate you on something as well, Rick. Your Cincinnati Reds, 66 and 94. The Miami Marlins only have 63 wins. Huckleberry, you are officially not the worst team in Major League Baseball well, this year. City, yeah, no, they, no, go over to the AL. Go check out that Baltimore record. They oh. are like 60 and a half games out. Yeah, 60 and a half, 46 and 113. God, that's awful. But man, the way Cincinnati started off this year, I thought Cincinnati might get 40 wins. Well, I think, you no, know, the first month of the season, they were so bad, they were projected. To only get like 30 wins, I think it was. Absolutely freaking ridiculous. All right, Huckleberry, let's talk some pro wrestling. Because that's that's really what everybody's listening for, right? I know that they're, they're loving the football talk, though. It's absolutely ridiculous. Jersey Mike even is like, do you think you could give all the football scores on the Monday locker room? Motherfucker, we record Sunday afternoon. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, if we could do that, then uh, we we are in the wrong business because we should be uh, we should be heading out to the sports book. Yeah, I, I'd be living in Vegas if that was the case. Let's talk a little bit of all in, and more importantly, all us. Cody Rhodes had uh, these comments, and, and I, I was very intrigued to your thoughts. Let's go to a word here from Cody Rhodes. All in was always a feeling. idea. There was nothing functional to it. And so we gave it form. And so you guys gave it function. And I can't thank everybody 
who came over the course of the weekend from StarCast to All In Itself to the independent shows that weekend that people also attended to just everything about the destination it became to those who watched on Fight or Honor Club or even New Japan World. You made the choice. It's 2018. It is very difficult to get a consumer to part with their money. I'm more than aware of that. I don't like to ever part with mine. But you guys bet on us, a group of guys who bet on themselves, and you put the creative arts back in the hands of the creators. That's happening all across the globe. Look at Hollywood. Good old boy system is out. And pro wrestling is not, we're not immune to the changes, to the creators taking over, to the fans taking back. There is a question of whether we do it again. And the best answer I can give you is it could have just been a great night at the matches in Chicago, for sure. That's all it could have been. But it felt like more. It felt like a revolution. And revolutions aren't just one night. So Cody Rhodes says, Huckleberry, revolutions aren't built in just one night. What do you make of this? There's some of these dirt sheets that are running and saying, this is it. This is the confirmation. All in two is going to happen. I don't think that is the case, but there is absolutely a message here. What the hell is it? I was going to say, you know, all the you know, speculation, the hell even you yourself have been throwing out there. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is another chapter for, you know, the actual all in brand. Uh, but is there something bigger in the works? Uh, are we going to see the beginning of that at NWA 70? Yeah. And at NWA 70, we found out last night it was announced on Death Before Dishonor. This thing is going to be a two out of three falls match. Rick, does that change anything for you? Does that make you any more intrigued than you already were? Is it really necessary for Cody versus Aldis 2 to be two out of three falls? Yeah, to me, this this really ups the odds. And I'm actually, I am much more invested, interested here. Because you, you see so many things, you know, if we just had a standard one fall, they could kind of take a, a, you know, a coward's way, booking way out of here to try to protect both of them. That's not necessarily the case when you get into these two out of three. You really got to prove uh, most times that you are the better competitor. And I, and I feel we're going to get something, you know, like that because of how they've already presented this as such a traditional style, uh, just paying tribute to, to all everything that was so great about the NWA World Championship. I know you haven't had a chance to watch Death Before Dishonor as of yet. We'll be reviewing that show Monday in the locker room. But I, I was, as I was watching this thing last night, man, I, I got to thinking a little bit because, okay, so you have SCU, their contracts are coming up. You've got the Bullet Club team where all five of those guys that were on that team last night, their contracts are coming up. Then you've got five guys from Chaos who are basically New Japan Pro Wrestling. You've got Jay Lethal. His contract is coming up. Then you had Osprey in the main event who is a New Japan Pro Wrestling talent. ROH is going to have to sign a lot of contracts 
at the end of this year if they want to keep this talent crop together? I was going to say, you know, and, and they're going to have to to open open the wallet. Yeah. Uh, really, really dig deep into that bank account. Sinclair is going to have to come to the table, help these guys out. But then again, you know, we, we've seen this where they go through these cycles. That is kind of their business model. We've seen a mass exodus of great stars down there, and they just go back and reload it. You really have to look at that next crop of talent to, to see, you know, who's ready to, to take that ball and run with it. You know, someone, uh, you know, like the kingdom led by Taven. Oh, yes. We will talk about Matt Taven a little bit later on if we don't save it for Monday because I am just fascinated by this Matt Taven storyline. Matt Taven looks badass with a mohawk. Didn't see that one coming. Huggleberry, let's talk about uh, one of Matt Taven's and I's uh, bald brethren uh, because this story, this has to be just ridiculously fake. Either that or this is real and it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Stone Cold! Steve Austin is training for an in-ring return because the Saudis have found the right amount of money to offer the Texas Rattlesnake. Do you buy into this shit? I don't know. I think I think we're just getting a lot of we're to the point where it's so over the top with these these astronomical numbers we're seeing thrown around that you know, the, who the Saudis want to bring in here. I I, I think a lot of this is just is individuals out just blowing smoke, trying to blow smoke up someone's ass. Do you have any desire to see Stone Cold Steve Austin return to the ring? Because I do not. I, I, You know what? I am okay. Even with, you know, as was the rumor for the Super Show with him in like a guest referee role in that specialty attraction match, that works for me there. If he wants to come in for a, a big show, you know, like uh, if they wanted to use him like on SmackDown 1000, yeah, uh, they, if they have you know a big marquee raw or something like that, I'm all for that. Come in, throw a stunner, go home, man. I, I'm even okay if he doesn't even do that. Come out and just drink a couple beers, give the, give everyone the bird, and you're out of there. You know, hell, I don't even care. Don't even get off of the uh, the four wheeler. Just ride around the ring and make your exit. Uh, to me, that's cool. Just kind of hearing the glass shatter, but I have zero interest in in seeing him lace those boots up again. I, it's just. For his own sake, for his own health. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just outside of that, you know, he can go in there and work a safe style match. They, they would take care of him there. But I mean, it's, I, I, I guess you know, everyone has a price, uh, you know, to, to quote the million dollar man. But man, it just takes away from all the great memories that we had of him, and you know why he is, you know, arguably one of the greatest of all time. And yet again, just the fact that this is even being discussed just reiterates John Cena's point from almost a year ago. Roman Reigns cannot do his job. If there's anybody out there that you want to see in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin of the current roster, is there anybody that comes to mind for you? If I had to choose an individual... And, and like I said, I would be very reluctant to even go this route. But if I had to choose an individual, I think Kevin Owens would be a very fitting opponent. Kevin Owens was my first, last, and only thought. Mostly because of just the way he bumps around. I mean, look at how he takes those shoulder blocks from Braun Strowman. He will fly around and make Austin look great. Well, yeah, you, you got that aspect. And then I just think, you know, because this would be more about uh, 
the storyline and the character work, believe it or not, again, that gets over more than anything. So I think those two would just, I think they would just be tremendous seeing this to interact with one another. You got to have somebody that can talk with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Kevin Owens is one of the few guys on the roster that I would actually trust to pull that off. I'm not even sure there's anybody else that even comes remotely close to mind from the current generation. Now, you know, if, if he had to go out and just drop a stunner, a, one, uh, a one-off stunner. Stephanie McMahon. No, I was going to go with that one. Uh, I was going to go with bring Ellsworth back. I think that would be, I'd be hilarious. down for that. I think that would be hilarious. I think that would be a huge pop moment. I would be down for that. Let's talk about somebody else that's uh, kind of walking the path of Stone Cold Steve Austin. My God, if you shave his head, you might actually think that he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that is Eli Drake. Eli Drake, uh, before we jump into this story, Rick, I know we we talked about this off air. I just got to throw this out there. My pop moment of my wrestling week was Eli Drake down in Mexico, cutting his promos entirely in English, except for dummy. Yeah. Which became Tonto C. I was laughing so goddamn hard. That was one of the funniest things I have seen in months in the world of professional wrestling. But Eli Drake, he's kind of out there and he's throwing a little bit of shade and he's talking about what we have been talking about for the last couple of weeks. You have to be able to tell a good story. Here's what Eli Drake came out and said. Like, you actually have to be able to tell a good story. I didn't care about Dean Malenko. Sorry, Dean. I actually like you. You're a nice guy personally. Amazing worker in the ring. But it's just boring if you can't tell me a story. But if you can say something memorable and give me memorable moments, that's something. Tonto, see. So my favorite part of the industry was always the drama, the trash talk, all that kind of stuff. If you can throw in hard-hitting action and the back end of that, that's amazing. But to rely only on the action and not be able to bring it with any kind of character or anything like that, which I think is a plague in this business right now. Sorry, just speaking the truth, I think we're doing the business a disservice, and I think we're doing the fans a disservice tonto see i'm absolutely with eli drake on this one nothing but a bunch of dummies i think it is kind of funny you know just the, the timing here uh that everything that you know we went through you know last week uh, you know hitting the marks to and having billy ray come on to to the locker room and to see the conversation that this created over on facebook and the homie media discussion group uh and then to have you know to have Drake come out here and pretty much uh, support you know every argument that you and I were making. Uh, yeah, the, the character work, the story, the stories that is the spice that that makes wrestling so nice. Uh, it's not the dot dot dive. Sure, that that's an eye catcher, but where's the substance? What's going to stick? What's going to keep people coming back? And you saw a perfect example of that in the main event of Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor last night. Jay Lethal versus Will Ospreay, awesome match. Awesome match. I just, I wasn't really invested. I didn't want either guy to win. I didn't want either guy to lose. But I'll tell you what, once uh, Mr. Mohawk came out and suddenly there was a story going on and suddenly I was on the edge of my seat waiting to see what was going to happen next. 
Let's talk about another guy whose name has been coming up quite frequently lately. And uh, the the big Ray versus Billy Ray Valentine debate of whether it's Pac or whether it's Pac, I find absolutely hilarious. For the sake of this show, we are going to refer to him as Pac, otherwise known formerly as Adrian Neville. People are asking about Neville all the time, and this is where the situation is, best we could tell. This is from Dave Meltzer, my favorite freaking guy on the face of the planet. WWE said that he is free and clear. He can wrestle anywhere. He was in talk with some promotions, but told them he wasn't ready to start yet, citing legal issues. Now he's gone completely off the grid and he's not responding to promoters as best we can tell. Will Ospreay wanted to do a singles match with him at Wrestle Kingdom, but we have no idea if he's up for that or anything in wrestling right now. Rick, I guess this is one of those things that we we haven't talked about a whole lot because there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about on the Neville front. I think we all just kind of assumed Neville would be coming back to wrestling and he would be a huge name on the independent scene right now. It almost seems like Neville just doesn't want to wrestle. Maybe to the point, you know, it's look at all he's been through, you know, and all the years that he spent on the road, you know, trying to get to that point to WWE to and all the success that he had in NXT where it looked so promising that the guy was going to be able, you know, you know, doesn't have the hype, but physically, I mean, he looks like a million bucks there. He, he might just have a seriously a bad taste in his mouth right now. And I can't say I would blame him. That's the thing. I can't say that I blame him in any way, shape or form. I mean, was there any more, was there any more detail to what exactly this legal issue might be? Cause I know everyone immediately is going to go to, it has to do something with wrestling I and mean, it could be something completely unrelated. Well, what my immediate thought was, and oh shoot, who was it? Was it Nicole Matthews that we just saw this come up with? And, and we've seen it come up with the super smash bros. You know, Neville was here on a work visa. He is not an American. He hasn't been working for almost a year. There may be some issues with Neville even being in the country at the moment. Well, I was going to say that that could be the whole thing. And, you know, without that steady employment, it, it makes it it's a lot more difficult to start taking those bookings. Fascinating stuff. Absolutely a story to keep an eye on. Do you have any preference where you would like to see Neville? Do you, do you want to see him in Impact, New Japan, stay over in the UK and work with Progress? Do, do you have any landing spot for Neville of, of your preference? I would just say I'd just like to see him back. Anywhere would work for me. I'm at the point right now where anytime there is a free agent in the world and somebody says, where do you want to see him end up? My answer is the NWA. That's just how I feel about it at this point. I'm ready to start stocking the freaking uh, shelves at the NWA with some great freaking talent right now. Speaking of great talent, we've got uh, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. Okada's talking a little bit of shit here, Huckleberry. Did you see these quotes? I did. I was reading through these things. Um, Very, very entertaining. Uh, He's just bringing it. He's bringing it. This this was uh, his reaction to hearing about New Japan Pro Wrestling expanding into the United States in 2017. Okada says, honestly, I had some reservations at first. I wondered, can we really sell enough tickets here? But I thought it was good that we were taking a first step into something new. And then somebody asked him about Cody versus Kenny at Strong Style Evolved. And Okada says, the one thing I will say 
And I felt that this about Kenny versus Cody match, since it is on a New Japan show, I'm not a fan of putting together cards that you could normally see in America. To be honest, Cody versus Kenny, that's a match you could see on any American show. And then he was asked about wanting distinctly New Japan cards in America. And Okada says, right. Cards that make you say, now this is New Japan Pro Wrestling. To me, I think we should be showing the American fans what this thing called New Japan Pro Wrestling is. Rick, you know what? I think me and the Rainmaker would get along real well. Hey, this kind of reminds me. Remember going back. I can't remember if it was in the locker room or last week here in the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling podcast. Where I said a lot of what we're seeing happening in, in New Japan is is this divide amongst outsiders and insiders, and it very reminiscent to me of when it was you know Bret Hart in the world going up against you know the likes of like the Patriot and and Stone Cold representing the United States. This again, it, this again seems so familiar to that. Well, and here's the thing. Because this really resonated with me, basically, because I've been saying the same thing for almost a year at this point. But then I was looking at the Fighting Spirit Unleashed card coming up Sunday night on NewJapanWorld.com. 999 yen, you can watch the show. But of the 38 talents that are wrestling on this show, only 14 of them are actually Japanese. Ooh, very interesting. And this is exactly what Okada is talking about. If I'm going to pay to go see New Japan Pro Wrestling, I don't necessarily want to see guys like Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian and ACH and Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta and Chris Sabin and Flip Gordon and Jeff Cobb and on and on and on and on throughout this entire card. I want to see Okada. I want to see Tanahashi. I want to see Kushida. I want to see Naito. I, I think this is a real flaw in this Western expansion. Well, I, to me, I think this is just genius storytelling. I think we're going to get where you see a lot of just the traditional or those that are actually of, you know, Japanese descent really taking offense to a lot of these outsiders grabbing these marquee spots. And right there, that's, that's going to be leading the way is I know he's not, he's not Western, but he, he shares a lot of that same uh, society like values, uh, and that would be Jay White. Yeah. And the thing that's hilarious is when you look at the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster, the most sports entertainment guy on that roster is Kazuchika Okada. And he'll be the first one to tell you that. Vince Russo taught him how to work freaking cameras, and Okada is the master, which is why he's on top. At least that's how I feel about it. Huckleberry, let's let's talk a little bit of WWE stuff here. Baszler versus Sane. This match is going to happen again. We had it announced Wednesday night on NXT at Evolution, Rick. The Queen of Spades is coming for her title that is now being held by the Pirate Princess in her little freaking treasure chest. At least NXT is promoting Evolution. This, I think this is the only time on WWE TV this week we talked about Evolution. Uh, there was, we had mentions of it, uh, but nothing that really is setting anything up. They're not really doing any business for that show. Why are we not doing business for that show? 
That's my because question. We, because we have so many other things that they need to jam in to into Raw. I mean, last week they got all of the, their their buzz, all of their promoting. They jammed everything they possibly could into that first hour. Absolutely freaking ridiculous. It, it was it was you know, we were over in the discussion group in the Acer's live chat that over on Facebook and Hobby Media Discussion Group and I had kept a list. I said I went down, I said, Okay, we, we've had uh, the Super Show, we've had the Crown Jewel, we've had Evolution, we've had Total Bellas, we had Total Divas. There was like two other things they had, and then I said, I said, well, all we really have left is next segment's going to be Cancer Kids. And sure enough, it was uh, that segment. Ah, yes. We will talk about the Cancer Kids here in just a second. Um, I, I think what's really got me interested here, well, number one, let's talk about this match. You're going to have Shayna Baszler wrestling for the NXT Women's Championship at Evolution. You also know Ronda Rousey is going to be wrestling at Evolution. Rick, is there any chance that this is Baszler's last match in NXT and the shitteth hitteth the fan at Evolution and this is actually Baszler getting called up and setting up a longer term program with Ronda? Yeah, I'm really interested in the direction they're going to head with that because you, know, you you think it would be I mean, how, do you think it would be as impactful if, like, if we saw Baszler lose early on that show? and then somehow got involved or would you want to give it time? Like, let's kind of forget about these two and then reintroduce her in a more of a dominant fashion. Not where it's such a loss is so fresh in our memories. Well, I guess the other question is what the hell are they going to do at survivor series? Are we actually going to do horsewomen versus horsewomen? Like it has been talked about for freaking eons, even though I don't know how in the world you get there when you have Charlotte and Becky at each other's throats. Well, yeah. And you said, I mean, you got, you got Charlotte and Becky just at, in a blood feud at this point, and you—I mean, yeah, what's oh, thanks. I could Sasha, Sasha and Bailey are just like completely off the radar. Well, I mean, Sasha's actually injured, I believe. Yeah, she is. She, but even before that, oh yeah, you know, no, I agree. And and you've got Bailey running around with Balor. She's recently been off the road dealing with something. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what the injury is. There's not a whole lot of people talking about it. Those are normally the ones that are pretty scary. Ask Dean Ambrose. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, to me, I, to me, that seems so forced to try to get that match uh, ready to go for Survivor Series. And if you were even going to go that route, I mean, wouldn't Evolution have been the bigger spot? I I would think so. So to me, to me, it's going to be too rushed. To, to get that match going there. But, you know, going back to a conversation we had, you know, you really have a hard time just even buying anyone versus, versus Rousey. Well, if you put Baszler as an equalizer backing Nikki, you know, like so many people had talked about possibly with Bliss or even Stephanie, uh, then it becomes a lot more legit. We'll talk a bit more about Ronda Rousey here in just a little bit when it comes to uh, the Bellas themselves. Rick, uh, you, you brought up uh, the Cancer Kids, and I guess it's time to talk about ratings because I, I think there is absolutely a consistency here. Uh, number one, the Monday night football game this week was Steelers versus Buccaneers. 
not necessarily the marquee matchup. Not It's not like it was Chicago and L.A. or New York and L.A. It's not like these are two huge well, markets. Well, you got coming into this, though, the Pittsburgh markets are everywhere. There's Pittsburgh fans everywhere. It's like I told you last week. You know, it's they are in every corner of this country. And then my my belief is the reason behind that is because Pittsburgh itself is such a shithole that everyone has to get out of there. But they have fans everywhere, and go. And you got to remember, coming into this thing, the Buccaneers are one of the hottest teams in football. People were are big on them; they're jumping on that bandwagon. I understand that, but it's not like the viewership for Monday Night Football had some kind of a crazy spike here this week, and people are trying to figure out what in the world went wrong with Monday Night Raw. The first hour drew 2.493 million, a drop from last week's first hour viewership of 2.839, a drop of 346,000 viewers right off the top. That's also a drop of over 600,000 viewers from the August 20th episode. But here is what is absolutely fascinating. The second hour dropped to 2.275 million, a drop off of 281 thousand viewers at the top of our number two the average drop off in 2018 is 3,000 3,000 people tune out at the top of the second hour on average this week it was 281,000 people of which 6,000 of those people came back over the course of the show. But Rick, 281,000 people tune out at the top of the second hour. What the hell was at the top of the second hour? Oh yeah, we're going to spend 15 minutes with charity kids. Like I say, you know, it's great that they recognize those kids and it is it is heartwarming to see that professional wrestling giving back to something like that, but but ultimately, you know, it's you can you can go about that in a more uh, effective manner instead of just, you know, dedicating so much time to it during the show. I, they, they spent 15 minutes patting themselves on the back for not being terrible people. That's pretty much what happened. I, I think it would be more effective if you took that 15 minutes and even turn those into maybe five little three minute quick clips throughout the show. Absolutely. Here was my other problem with it. At the beginning of Monday Night Raw, you have Hunter and Stephanie who are clearly being douchebags and put all the sympathy on one constipated constable, Baron Corbin, which is a whole other subject. Why you would do that to Baron Corbin. But then they come out for this segment and we're supposed to cheer them because they're wonderful people. And then no more than two segments after this, they're right back to being douchebags. It doesn't make any sense, man. Just give me a little bit of continuity, not just week to week. For God's sake, segment to segment, give me a little bit of continuity. Yeah. Um, you know, again, to me, what really got me is they open up the top of the show there and they immediately go to that Corbin is going back to the main event. We saw what that did last week, people tuning out. So immediately you're putting him in there. I know you're hoping you got the shield. People are going to stay tuned with that thing. Why the hell did they not come out somewhere earlier in that show and tell us who his partners were going to be? Get people excited. Make the announcement. Because everyone had kind of figured it was just going to be some, you know, something to do with, with the dogs. 
or the hounds or whatever the hell. What do they call themselves? The dogs? The dogs of war, I think. Yeah. I don't know, man. It is just all over the board. They're trying to promote too much stuff and get cute with too much stuff. Like, this is the kind of thing that put it on the pre-show for a uh, big pay-per-view. You know, you don't need to do this crap on Monday Night Raw. And you know it's just going to get worse because next week we're starting October. Well, right now, you know, you've got you got the, uh, the cancer kids going. You got everything with them. We've also got the Hispanic month. And then we're going to go into October here where it's all the Susan G. Komen stuff. Yep. And, and it's it just, why do they do this? Like, you don't see this in any other line of entertainment where you just have this self-aggrandizing need to pat yourself on the back. But WWE is all about it drives me absolutely insane it's just a wwe commercial well, Heaven for- it's a it's another case where they're trying to create this culture where they're they're more important than they actually are i think the only people who care about that segment are stockholders and board members and that's what it's there for unfortunately i agree Speaking of uh, ratings and stuff, you know, SmackDown almost got Raw this week. In fact, if you look at Hour 2 and Hour 3 of Raw, SmackDown did get Raw this week. Rick, as as we're getting towards this Fox deal, now just a little over a year away, I, I've been trying to plot out some creative in my head. What is, or who is, your WWE champion going into the Fox deal on SmackDown. Hmm. Could you, could you potentially see a huge shake up there? Are they going to want bigger names going into that primetime spot? I mean, is AJ Styles, someone of that caliber, someone you think they trust? No. To carry that brand. I mean, no, but I mean, it very well could be somebody from Raw because after Mania, we're going to get a superstar shakeup. Do you think that they go like and like triple down and we're moving Roman Reigns to SmackDown and he is the champion going into the Fox show? I, I almost would even be interested, you know, what kind of deal they can get with Brock going forward. Uh, if that would be someone that would be enticing to to those network execs, execs there. Hey. I, let's still not roll out that the brand split goes away. Yeah, that is a distinct possibility, but there's also a distinct possibility that Fox says, uh-uh, with the amount of money we're paying you, we want Ronda Rousey on our show. We want Brock Lesnar on our show and fuck NBC. You don't put them on that show. I mean, you do have two networks now that are going to be negotiating for talent as well. You're and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out and which talents those networks are requesting. Uh, but you think it would probably, it has to be something similar to like you see, let's say the NFL, you know, we regularly talk and it's pretty much what they do now is they bid on having rights to grab certain teams and that each falls into, you know, what time slot those are going to be played. And if those are under, you know, the marquee spots like a Sunday night football or a Monday night football, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens there. I'm going with The Miz. The Miz is my WWE champion going into the Fox deal, and then Daniel Bryan's going to beat him on the first episode of SmackDown on Fox and become the WWE champion finally. 
That's the I way I tell some, the story. I could see something along those lines, or I could see, you know, I just said like Daniel Bryan. Hey, here's a big question. I mean, Daniel Bryan is great. He's he's well known. He is wholeheartedly beloved by the WWE universe. But when you're going to introduce him to an entire new audience uh, with all those new eyes available, is he someone without being able to really tell the backstory what it is that makes him so special? Is he that big of a grab? Well, let me ask you this. Let's talk about the full-time roster, the guys that are on the roster five days a week, working house I, shows and everything, okay? No, no, but I do agree with you with The Miz, though, because The Miz brings all the crossover appeal. Doesn't Brian? He's been doing Total Bellas for how long now? Aren't they the two most overstars in the company under full-time contracts at this point? I have to agree with that. And I, I would think, you know, I think that, I, I think that could be a great program to kick off the move to Fox. I just don't know if I would go pull the trigger and switch the title. I think you really have to establish that story. Uh, and that's really where you turn it up where Miz is kind of, you know, the sleazeball. He thinks he's bigger and better than everyone because he's a, a semi star. Uh, he, he thinks that his, actually his star shines brighter than it truly does. And you continue to tell that story of, you know, Daniel's the average Joe, man. He's just like you. He came from hardworking family. He is a loving father. He's, he's down to earth. He's that ultimate guy that you root for. He's, he's Rudy. Here's how I'm going to lay this thing out. All right. In Australia, the Miz is going to beat Daniel Bryan. Then the Miz is going to win the WWE championship and he is going to do it on SmackDown 1000, October 16th, that's when he is going to win the championship. All right. And then Brian's going to want another shot at the Miz and the Miz is going to say, uh-uh, I've beat you like four freaking times. Back of the line, jobber. Uh-uh, not dealing with you. Brian has to win the Rumble. Brian wins the Rumble. You're set up for your epic rematch at WrestleMania. And the Miz beats Brian again. Beats him on the biggest stage. I, I like it. You're taking that kind of that story that I've been pitching here for weeks. But instead of Brian having that big moment, you know, that could be similar to WrestleMania 30. It's one more that the and this would be the ultimate, the ultimate upper. Yeah, because upper everybody would expect Brian to be winning that title at WrestleMania. And no, the Miz beats him and the Miz beats him clean. And somehow Brian works his way back to the top of the card and your main event for the first episode of SmackDown on Fox is Daniel well, Bryan. Uh, you have, you have a while. You have a while because I mean, they're not going to Fox till October 9th, October yeah. 9th. So we're just a hair over a year away. October 9th, 2019. That's when Daniel Bryan finally defeats the Miz and becomes the WWE champion. I think that place would explode and I think it would be a great rating. That's an interesting thought, but again, we, we barely can trust them to get, get it right to WrestleMania. You're going to give them a whole year to try to do this. I don't trust them. I, I don't even trust that Miz is going to beat Brian and freaking Australia. That's how much I think they could potentially fuck this thing up. Uh, one of the other things that happened over the course of this week that just has me fascinated was the signature. 
Yes, the signature at the top of the show. If you didn't notice this week, it changed. And then the the then now forever thing. That's what we're talking about when we say the signature. Rick, I am noticed immediately the first person that you see is Hulk Hogan. Uh, yeah, I mean he he's popped out there right all the talks. They're freaking all, prominent, man. All all the talks uh, of, of the Hogan return. Uh, so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. That was one of the first things I noticed too. Like, hmm, very interesting. The other thing that I noticed, Chris Jericho still in the signature. I thought that was absolutely significant. Anything you take away from Jericho still being in the signature, maybe things aren't as bad as we think they are. Well, and it would also would also kind of jumped out to me is when going back just a couple of weeks ago when they had brought in past stars to kind of give their take on who potentially could go over in uh, Undertaker Triple H one last time. Uh, Jericho was in there quite a bit. Any chance we see Y2J? On SmackDown 1000, October 16th. Well, everywhere that he, everywhere that he is going right now, uh, hey, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me at all. Watch him go, watch him get on WWE TV to plug this fucking cruise. That would be the most masterful thing I've ever seen. How about some of the, some of the heat uh, around the, uh, the internet wrestling community that they are advertising the return of evolution so that Triple H can be front and center instead of hyping the return of one of the biggest movie stars in the world today. Ah, uh, yes, that's great too. But here's the, here's the best part about that, okay? So on October 16th, Evolution returns, which is actually about two weeks before Evolution. <laughs> Not that we're trying to confuse the audience or anything. Right. Like yeah. People are going to be tuning into the WWE Network, to WWE Evolution, expecting to see the nature boy Ric Flair take on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Freaking ridiculous shit. Evolution. Psh. I, I, I'm happy for Batista. That's pretty much how I feel about it. I'd much rather see Rick do a segment with Charlotte. I don't need Hunter on the show whatsoever. And well, you know, Randy's still there. I think all you're doing is reminding me how old those other guys are. Well, I think looking at it, like we see Randy almost weekly or at least regularly. On and he Smackdown was the youngest member of evolution. So you're just telling me how old all these other people are. We still, we still see Rick. He's still, you know, maybe not just on, on programming as much as he was, but he's still out there. He's still in the news. He's, he's regularly, you know, relatable to wrestling stories. Obviously everyone knows with triple H. I, I just don't get why you would not promote this as a, a grand homecoming for Batista. So, and that's, and it, to me, it just screams of, I, it really, if it is, if it's some kind of pettiness, it's, that's very sad because the number one thing they want to do is let people know, Oh, well, look at what our stars do. Our stars have become the biggest stars in Hollywood. We created them. That's, and that's how their ego should be driven. But I, I think they're so, they're so ass backwards that they don't even want to give credit to him for going out and doing something like that. Yep. Cause he did it without him. And, you know, once again, how dare you get yourself over? Well, I mean, why be bitter like that? Start spin the narrative. This is his home. This is where he got started. Yep. Nope. Not going to do that whatsoever. Hell, I didn't even think Batista was going to be at SmackDown 1000, which is a crying freaking shame. 
You know, it would be hilarious if he just no-showed it. Oh, that would be fantastic. That would be absolutely fantastic. I would applaud Dave Batista for that. Uh, here's another one that the WWE just served up to us on a silver platter. Monday in the locker room, we were talking about what is the meaning of the word over? Well, Rick, Brie Bella is over because I saw her kick Liv Morgan in the face, not only on Monday Night Raw, I saw it on TMZ, I saw it on Entertainment Tonight, I saw it on Page Six, I saw it on Dish Nation, I all these freaking dirty sites, all these tabloid celebrity sites, they were all talking about Brie Bella knocks out another professional wrestler. Of course, we're not actually going to call Liv Morgan by name because nobody knows who the fuck Liv Morgan is, but Brie Bella, we're going to put that in great big print and we're going to run it in the A block because Brie Bella is over. Hey, and especially with, uh, I guess what the marks will go ahead and call them, they give her a pass on everything, man. She still gets a, a huge pop, you know, every time. And I would just assume it was because of association with, with her husband. Like I said, hey, the reality show, it's no joke. They are known and recognized uh, by the masses. And like you are saying, this thing is on every, not just professional wrestling dirt sheet, but every dirt sheet that's out there. Yep. Now, my question to you I mean, obviously, I, I'm pretty sure you and I both agree. Brie, at this point, needs to realize she's a Bella and that she's not Daniel Bryan. She's not one of the greatest freaking professional wrestlers on the face of the planet going today. She's Brie Bella. Go out there and wrestle like Brie Bella, not Daniel Bryan. I think that's half of her freaking problem right there. Um, but here's my you question. Know what, if you if you make a comparison there, sorry to cut you off, Jogo. But if you if you really make a comparison, you know, it seems like both like Bree has obviously been training with with Brian. But even going back when Nikki was with Cena, you could see a lot of his influence in her style. Yep, she can wrestle that style because Cena works works a much safer, slowed down style. Whereas Bree cannot by any means, by any stretch of the imagination, go out there and hang under the you know the guise of the Daniel Bryan style. Yep, I completely agree. Here's my question to you, all right? Let's say that this happens, I don't know, in Australia. When they turn on Ronda Rousey, what happens if Brie Bella hits a yes kick right to the bridge of Ronda Rousey's nose and knocks her out cold right in the middle of the fucking ring? I think I would be more worried if she kicks her once in the nose. And Rousey uh, just retaliates on her own. Oh, I, I I understand that. I think that's absolutely a possibility, too. But we know. I, I don't think, even if they do turn on her, I think they've learned from this situation. I think that I don't think we're going to be seeing so many kicks from Brie anymore. Well, I mean, but this is what I'm saying, man. They're putting Rousey in there with people like Brie Bella. What happens if something goes wrong? Rousey, you know, when she was beating people, she wasn't necessarily a knockout artist, but when she was losing to people, she was getting knocked the fuck out. And I follow enough boxing. I know you follow enough boxing. Once you get knocked out once, they call it a glass jaw for a reason, ladies and gentlemen, you can very easily be knocked out again. If Brie Bella would knock out Ronda Rousey in a WWE ring... 
this women's revolution, the evolution, whatever the hell you want to call it, it's fucking buried and over. Well, I think at this point, you have to be smart enough to just completely avoid that. And this, again, this is just hypothetical because we would need for the Bellas to turn on Rousey. Yes, complete hypothetical. We need her. We need for them to turn. I have a feeling, though, that they would not even go this route, that they wouldn't even risk anything like that. Yeah, let's reevaluate this situation just a little bit. My God, the amount of press this thing got with Liv Morgan. Could you imagine if this would have happened with Rousey? Fucking Fox News would be running this shit. The thing that impressed me the most this week on WWE TV, Ruby Riot. Ruby Riot took control of that goddamn match, and she took control of it real freaking quick. I applaud Ruby Riot. I thought she was absolutely fantastic in that train wreck of a match that everybody associated with it should be embarrassed to have been a part of, especially you, Mr. Referee, for letting that shit continue. Who in the fuck calls that? Well, I was going to say, you know, all, all around. This thing was a complete mess. Yeah. From Kevin Uh, Dunn to Vince McMahon, the referee in the ring, everybody dropped the ball on this. There's absolutely zero reason Liv Morgan got back in that ring. Well, here's it is worse. It's the only person that that was smart enough that is seasoned enough to hold this thing together. As you said, uh, complete credit where credit is due. An amazing job by an incredible talent. Uh, Someone that is greatly overlooked by many fans of WWE. And that's really right. Absolutely agreed. The other big angle on Monday Night Raw this past week, the saga of Drew and Dean. Obviously, this didn't hold a whole lot of viewers, but Rick, I found this incredibly interesting. Not so much what was going on with Dean Ambrose, but the fact that Drew McIntyre approached Dean backstage and was like, hey, your boy's coming up and he's talking to me. I just thought maybe you should know. Drew is still that stand-up guy. Drew is not as evil and manipulative as he has been uh, presented. They're trying to save a little bit of face here for Drew for what is to come down the road for him. What do you think is the ceiling here for Drew McIntyre? Are we looking at a, a immediate future challenger to Roman Reigns? Is Drew going to get elevated to the main event? I hope it's just not. I hope it, I hope he doesn't just kind of sealing out at Challenger. Hey, we've been talking about this for a long time. You know, since he since he came back to NXT, this guy screams megastar on a global scale. This guy should be headlining a WrestleMania. Now, now it, it, time will tell if he's able to eventually get over on Roman in that capacity, or hey, a, another great program that could sell a lot of tickets. And it's very believable is Drew versus Braun. We were talking earlier at the beginning of the show about rivalries. Is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre? Is that going to become John Cena versus Randy Orton? Hey, you, you were talking about that when we started, when we started the hidden marks pro wrestling podcast. Yeah, I actually that, was. That he, he needed that Roman Reigns needed a Randy Orton needed that adversary and I think Drew would be perfect in that role. I think so too. I think I also is my think, guy. I think he he's so good in that role, and, we're, and we've seen a little bit where maybe it's just just not one, you know, our travel because a Joe is already great in that role. Yeah, there is that. Uh, speaking of Randy Orton, one thing I did absolutely want to put over from WWE TV this week 
Let's get a word here with uh, Randall Keith Orton. Excuse me, Randy. Why did you attack Ty Dillinger just now? Is, is he your next victim? No. No. I, I think what it boils down to, though, Rome, is that perfect 10 crap just pisses me off. Randy, I'm with you. The 10 thing pisses me off, too. I took that as a babyface turn from Randall Keith Orton. That was fantastic. That was the promo of the fucking week right there. No, 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 no. Again, Randy's just Randy. I thought that was hilarious. The 10 thing just pisses me off. That's, that's, that's a wrestling promo. I need more of that. Less of the 15 minute Samoa Joe going to AJ Styles, freaking family's house. Wendy, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Give me more of this. You know, what would be really interesting. Speaking of SmackDown 1000 and uh, the, the return, the reunion of evolution. How is, how is Randy going to present himself? Ooh, that is a good point. Hmm. Hmm. I don't, I'd love to see Randy RKO all three of them. Well, I, I mean, I immediately was going back to when evolution broke up and triple H turned on, on Randy. And we know that there has been maybe not, it's maybe not very intense, but you know, but Tista really wasn't happy with that last run. So there's a little bit of heat you could play off there. If they all just fucking turned on Triple H. Well, you know, we have seen a lot of talk about Batista actually wanting to come back and do a full-time run with WWE. If Batista is going to come back, Randy Orton versus Batista at WrestleMania, I could absolutely get down with that. I just, in that role, I I think that would be great. Be a great program. Uh, It's one of those kind of throwbacks that still would be able to excite today's fans and all that. But man, if Batista's coming back, you, do you really think Triple H isn't going to put himself in that role? Nope. Hunter's absolutely going to put himself in that role. My pick is Randy Orton versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania. That's kind of how I have the uh, landscape laying out at this point. After AJ loses the title, well, the and, 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 and you, you can kind of play into that because. You know, Randy's on this kick where he just wants to to destroy the darlings. Yeah. People that are just overly, for whatever reason, loved. You know, we've seen that with with Hardy, and I it would make perfect sense for that big WrestleMania run to have, you know what? Now I'm coming after AJ Styles. And then you know what else I would do? I would have him show up the Saturday before and I would have him RKO Johnny Gargano at TakeOver Brooklyn. Yeah, I would do that. And then on SmackDown's premiere on Fox, Johnny Gargano beats Randy Orton, and immediately you have made a new star. But that's just me. Let's talk about two guys that could be a star, but, you know, Vince McMahon hates tag teams and he hates bald dudes, and that's The Revival. The Revival actually got a little bit more over this week, Rick. They gave them 12 minutes to go out there and have a great match, and The Revival went out there and they had a great match. It's amazing what these guys can do when you give them more than three minutes to tell a story. I was actually shocked that they gave them any time and just and just to completely get dominated in this match. Uh, they let them go out there and show what they could do. And the crowd loved it. They were hot for that match. 
Uh, unfortunately, though, they're probably going to get a lot of blame because this match went on damn near right when the plummet happened. Not, not their fault. People were already tuned out. Motherfucker. Fucking savages in this town. All right, Rick, we're going to go to a break quick. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. We're going to come back. We're going to preview New Japan Pro Wrestling Fighting Spirit, which is coming up tomorrow. And then I'm going to tell everybody why Boston is a heaping pile of trash. Here's uh, one of my favorite things to ever come out of Boston, though. This is the Dropkick Murphys. We'll be right back. segment two and everywhere except where was it belgium isn't it belgium that you've been banned in now uh belgium and luxembourg isn't luxembourg in belgium or no that's uh, germany I, isn't it yes yes and yeah, uh, belgium's I got no, i have no idea that uh those were like sister um i guess i guess not well i guess one is the sister cities or areas of kentucky Ah, I, I, I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, just kind of, uh, I was kind of taken aback when I received that message. Uh, but you know, I think, man, Facebook is, is going all out war, just social media. You know, I, I'm getting banned in, in foreign lands. Uh, Ben Hameen has, has found himself with a, a very, various, uh, serious slap on the wrist from Facebook and, and big Ray, he's just getting blocked everywhere. See, this is why all I do is talk about social on uh, talk about professional wrestling on social media. That and how much Boston sucks. I talk about Boston quite a bit now. 
Because evidently I got some heat with Strangler Steve King. For the record, Steve King, I did not know that you lived outside of Boston. And I hated Boston long before I knew that you lived outside of Boston. There's only three good things that have ever come out of Boston, Huckleberry. Dropkick Murphys. All right. And then you've got Sam Adams beer, which as much as I like Sam Adams, if you ever talk to somebody from Boston, my God, they will ruin Sam Adams for you how much they love it. And number three is Babe Ruth. When they traded him to the fucking Yankees. Just wanted to throw that out there. We'll talk some more about how much Boston sucks here in just a little bit. Rick, let's uh, let's throw it over to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, that's right. Good old Hook Nose wanted to call me a New Japan Mark. We're going to go through this whole fucking card just for you, Bello. Let's kick this off, man. Only 14 of the 38 talents are Japanese, but boy, the American talent they've got on this show is really good. This might not be a really good New Japan show, but this is going to be a really fun show to watch. Things are going to kick off with ACH, Jushin, Thunder Liger, and Taguchi taking on Rapungi 3K, Show Yo, and Rocky Romero with his ridiculous ass blaster can, and I'm sure he'll have that at the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach. Rick, I'm looking forward to this match. I don't even necessarily care who wins, but this is going to be a traditional New Japan car wreck to start off the show. I was going to say, this is uh, in New Japan fashion, running out the the dot-dot dives, the high flyers, the, the big impact players here. It's it's going to be uh, what you've come to know from openers in New Japan wrestling. I'm looking forward to it very much so, especially I'm, I'm enjoying... Uh, uh, Jushin Liger seems to like he's got a little bit of a nasty streak all of a sudden. He's been hanging out with Grumpy Tiger Mask. I think Tiger Mask and Jushin Liger are going to go after the tag titles, which are held currently by uh, El Desperado and Kanemaru. Looking forward to that match when it finally happens. This is one of those matches that I just do not understand why it is on this card as good as I'm sure it's going to be. It's going to be Bullet Club, Chase. Owens and Hangman Page taking on The Addiction, SCU, Frankie Kazarian, and Christopher Daniels. Rick, I could see this any night of the week in Ring of Honor. I was going to say, this is one of those, kind of going back to what Okada was talking about, uh, this is a very Western-style match. Kind of odd that, it, that it's found its way to this to this show. I, it'll be a good match. I'm sure of that. I love Chase. I love Hangman. I love Daniels. I love Kazarian. I hope Kazarian's all right. Kazarian took a really, really nasty bump last night at Death Before Dishonor through a couple of chairs, caught the back of his head, and let me just tell you, there was a whole lot of blood. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that Frankie is is feeling all right because if he is concussed at all, this very well could end up being Christopher Daniels and Scorpio Sky taking on Chase and Hangman. Hey. I want to say uh, some big news that I can actually I, – I told you about this in a private conversation, but I can go ahead and, and let the world know. Speaking of, of Chase, he's going to be coming to my neck of the woods. He's going to be working September 22nd at Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. I'm going to be there covering it, hopefully sitting down and talking with him. But he's going to be taking on the one and only Brian Pillman Jr., Ooh, that's one hell of a match, man. Pillman Jr. killing it in MLW right now. I'm trying to get all caught up on MLW. I am freaking addicted. I really like MLW Fusion. That might be my new favorite wrestling show. Let's talk about uh, Chaos. And I, I don't know if I can really call this much of Chaos. 
the best friends, Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T, representing Chaos, along with the Roman Reigns of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Hiroki Goto, taking on a team. Come explain this one to me. Chris Sabin, Flip Gordon, and Jeff Cobb. I'm not even sure these guys like each other. I'm just going to say that's uh, definitely an odd pairing. Even just if you take out any personal issues, uh, just the styles that we're going to see in that match. Or just between that team. We saw all three of these gentlemen at Death Before Dishonor. I'm very much looking forward to Monday in the locker room talking with you about Jeff Cobb versus Punishment Martinez. That match is going to be coming up. I'm looking forward to that one. Then we have Los Ingobernables de Japón. Evil Sonata and Naito taking on a Suzuki-Goon team of the Killer Elite Squad and Zack Sabre Jr. Rick, I don't know if you saw it, but this match has caused quite an uproar in the UK wrestling scene. Very, very interesting here. I, uh, give, give some more backstory here. Well, here's basically what's going on. It was supposed to be Walter taking on Zack Sabre Jr. at a huge show over in the UK this weekend. And instead, New Japan Pro Wrestling flexed their big dick and threw Zack Sabre Jr. into this match. Of course, Zack Sabre Jr., a contracted talent to New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, Zack Sabre Jr. is working a six-man tag instead of taking on Walter one-on-one at Wembley Stadium. Very, very interesting developments there. Yeah, I, I understand why there are some angry people over in the U.K., as far as the match goes, we've got an all-long, ongoing feud here between LIJ and Suzuki-Goon. But I think the real wild card is Chris Jericho, right? Because I'm expecting Chris Jericho to attack Evil this weekend when Evil is in the United States. It's either going to be on this show or the ROH TV taping. One of the two. I was going to you, you've kind of been putting this over. Uh, I guess by the time we get to this show, we'll know if Jericho has... Uh made an appearance at the ring of honor tapings indeed so look forward to some jericho talk monday in the locker room how, how many episodes are they uh is ring of honor filming um i don't know uh i'm gonna guess four i was gonna say probably a month yeah i'm gonna guess four but i'm not entirely sure then we have one of the most interesting matches on this card rick I'm fascinated to see how this thing is going to go down. You have the team of Hiroshi Tanahashi, the holder of the briefcase for the main event at Wrestle Kingdom. He is going to be teaming up with Kushida, who is the new Japan Pro Wrestling Junior Heavyweight Ace. And they are taking on the combination of Chaos, Gato, and that bastard Jay White. Is this one of those cases, I guess no pun intended, where we see Jay White get the pin over Tanahashi? I think so. I think that that has to be the story going forward here. I mean, we know that we're going to get that match. Switchblade has got to get the ace and get him early. This is going to be the first time that we see the Switchblade and Gato team together. So I'm, I'm curious to see how Gato presents himself here. Uh, Not a whole lot going on with Chaos at the ROH show. I was looking for any kind of tension amongst Chaos there, but of course we got it instead amongst the Bullet Club. There were were miscues left and right between the Bullet Club last night. We're going to have to talk about that Monday in the locker room as well. Speaking of the Bullet Club, 
Marty Skrull, the villain himself, is going to be taking on Will Ospreay in the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship semifinal match. Rick, there's three certainties in life. Death, taxes, Skrull beats Ospreay. Is is it going to continue here? Is Marty going to get Will Ospreay? And is it basically, this is, these are your two choices. It's going to be Marty Skrull versus uh, Kushida for the IWGP junior heavyweight championship, or it's going to be Will Ospreay versus Kushida for the IWGP junior heavyweight championship. I'm not sure that I necessarily have a preference. I think either way, didn't you, was it Ospreay just put on some weight? Osprey has put on 20 pounds since we saw him in June, which brings him up to a grand total of 194 pounds. He's still very, very much a junior, but boy, are his shoulders, his traps, his arms look huge right now. Not so much in the midsection, but you can tell he's been putting on some weight. I can see this match going either direction, but I guess with him kind of bulking up here uh, recently, this plays into the continuing thing with Marty and the heavyweights. Oh my gosh. Last night it was supposed to at one point in this 10 man tag, Okada's in the ring and it seemed as though Okada wanted a piece of Cody. Don't call him Rhodes and hangman's going over to make the tag. And instead Marty jumps in and makes the tag because he wanted him some of Okada and Okada tagged to Rocky Romero because Marty should be fighting people his own size. Oh, that's great. I, I don't, I know I haven't seen it, but I, I'm sure that that infuriated Marty. Oh my God. He was, ch- he was flaming pissed. Oh, fantastic stuff. I laughed so freaking hard. Then we have uh, some more bullet club business that we've got to talk about here as the gorillas of destiny, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa are coming for also representing the bullet club, the young Bucks. Now, Tama Tonga put up a Twitter poll the other day. Rick, did you happen to see this Twitter poll? Uh, I did, sir. I did. Uh, the last I saw, anyway, leading the poll at 62%, people would rather punch Matt Jackson in the face than Nick Jackson. I thought that was a, an interesting little piece of psychology. So I assume Tama Tonga is going to punch Matt Jackson in the face. Of course, there's a lot of animosity here between G.O.D. and the Young Bucks. I think G.O.D. are taking these titles, man. Uh, In any case here, I mean, do we start to see uh, the mending of the ways here? Or is this still just going to continue on in in a war? I think this thing's going to continue for a little while longer. But I think G.O.D. needs this win because G.O.D. needs to be holding gold in New Japan Pro Wrestling, if they're going to be pissing off the office, they need to have a little bit of leverage and taking back those IWGP heavyweight tag team titles. That gives them a little bit of leverage. So I'm hoping that that's how this match goes down. Not that I ever go against the Bucks, but I'm feeling G.O.D. in this match. Then we have one of your big main events. This is this is a, being advertised as a dual main event. The NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Cody, don't call him Rhodes, takes on the IWGP United States Champion, Juice Robinson, the IWGP United States Championship on the line. Rick, how do we get out of this match? Yeah, very interesting because you want to, especially 
come in, you, you want Cody to be looking good. You know the representatives from uh, the NWA are going to be pushing uh, that their champion not lose this thing, at least cleanly. Uh, didn't, wasn't there some kind of shenanigan we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, how they could get out of this thing? Well, Tamatonga has been talking a whole lot of shit towards Cody for months now. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you get G.O.D. interference. And, but G.O.D.'s winning the tag titles right before this match. I, I know. That's what, that's what kind of throws a kink into this. Very much so. Uh, could it? I mean, could it be that that after G.O.D. is just assaulting the Bucks, it's Cody who tries to come out and reason with them, and then they also take him out, and we don't even get this match? Of course, the other potential is Nick Aldis. Uh, Nick Aldis was on commentary for the big 10-man tag match at Death Before Dishonor. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Aldis makes the trip over to Long Beach. Could you see Nick Aldis getting involved in this match? That's not really his uh, MO, though. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, but it would make sense. And it, and it would be a, an easy way out to protect these two. Or, hey, they come into this thing. It's like, you know what? It's our event. Our champ's going over. That's possible, too. I just I don't see Cody taking the loss, but I don't see him winning the IWGP United States Championship. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, just on this level, I mean, Juice is a great talent, but he's just not on that level with Cody yet. Yeah, but I don't think New Japan wants to take this title off of Juice yet because they're trying right. to elevate Juice. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that match is booked. Then we have your big main event, and Rick, I this is going to be something else. Kazuchika Okada. Tomohiro Ishii on one side, and on the other side, the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, four of my favorite talents in the world. Not a whole lot of storyline going on here, though, as it seems Omega's issues with both Ishii and Okada are concluded at this point. None of them really have much of an issue with Kota Ibushi. I don't really know why this match is happening, but I'm looking forward as hell to it. Yeah, I mean, it should just be uh, a fun, hard-hitting match, and like you said, a great main event. But as a New Japan Pro Wrestling card, does this really do it for you? That this this is where it plays in. You know, a lot of what you kind of read off here doesn't really scream New Japan Pro Wrestling to me. Uh, this is a very westernized model that they're using here. And I don't know as though I like it. You know, and this is one of those things people told me I was crazy when the, the issue or the question was being asked, would you rather go to G1 Supercard or would you rather go to take over Brooklyn as they're both going to be happening WrestleMania weekend in New York? And I said I would go to TakeOver because I know TakeOver is going to be a good show. When I look at the card from Death Before Dishonor last night, I look at this New Japan Pro Wrestling card. These cards just are not that impressive. And when they do a mixed card together like this, you end up with a whole lot of six-man tags and tag team main events and not a whole lot of storyline going on. Yeah, you get the novelty of New Japan and ROH in the garden, but I want to go to a good show. To me, that just, to me, the spectacle, the moment of those guys going into Madison Square Garden, to me, that, that would outweigh anything else. I would choose uh, Supercard over NXT. And I think, I think knowing what's at stake, you know, all the eyes that are going to be on them, 
uh, you know, just not going into Madison Square Garden, but, you know, just such a big weekend for professional wrestling. I think they're going, they're really going to put their best foot forward. Now talking about Madison Square Garden, I'm going to bring this up to you now so you can think about it until Monday in the locker room. We have this situation inside of Ring of Honor Pro Wrestling right now. Jay Lethal has the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Matt Taven has his own Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. It looks just like the ROH World title, except it's on a purple strap. This match is going to happen at Final Battle, and I think whoever wins that match is going to go into G1 Supercard as the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. Now, I have been predicting for months and months and months that Matt Taven was going to win the ROH World Heavyweight Championship at Final Battle, and then this MSG show happened. Do you want Matt Taven on top going into the Madison Square Garden show? Isn't Jay Lethal a bigger name? We're going to discuss that a lot more on Monday in the locker room. I'm going to let Huckleberry think on that one for a couple of days because that's an awful good question that I didn't propose to him before we started recording the show today because I'm kind of a slacker like that. So, Rick, I guess that kind of brings us to the end of the show today unless there's anything else inside of the world of professional wrestling that you wanted to talk about. I think this is uh, the big moment we've been building towards your your Boston facts. Okay, well, you know what? I actually have entrance music. Let's throw it over to why Boston sucks this week. Boston sucks. Boston sucks. Boston sucks. Boston sucks. Thank you, Yankee fans, for my my theme music here. The reason that Boston sucks this week. You heard the strangler, Steve King. He was putting over the Boston Tea Party and how historic the Boston Tea Party was. Bunch of protesters throwing their tea into the sound. Yeah, the original location of the Boston Tea Party actually no longer exists because of the extensive landfills that destroyed the location. This was caused by the city of Boston's rapid expansion in the 19th century. In the 18th century Boston, Griffin's Wharf was a bustling center for maritime commerce and shipping. The exact location of the original Griffin's Wharf is still open to debate to this day. But the Boston Tea Party Ships and Museum, located at the Congress Street Bridge, is located near the approximate area where the Boston Tea Party actually took place. A historical marker commemorating the Boston Tea Party stands on the corner of Congress and Purchase Streets in Boston. That's right. It no longer exists because of extensive landfills. It's literally built on a pile of fucking trash. Boston sucks. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Unless you're from Boston, in which case you can fuck off. If not... Please be so kind as to hit that subscribe button, then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Pay us a visit this Monday in the locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com, hashtag freehameen. You can interact with the show at HTMPWPod on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo RBV. Where do the Wildcats find you? 
As always, you can find me across all social media at the real RBV. And you know what? With all the heat going on, I do want to put over two Kentucky individuals here. We are gearing up for the Super Show next week. Uh, so the two gentlemen that have taken over the, the Pick'em Challenge are both Kentuckians. Uh, so I know that they would really appreciate everyone heading on over to Facebook to the Hobby Media Discussion Group and keep your eyes and ears open this week uh, for the entry thread. A lot of fun. You're picking the winners and you're kind of ranking them by how confident you are. You're taking on some of the brightest minds uh, across the world of professional wrestling. So again, make sure you're, you're looking for the Pick'em Challenge on Facebook in the Hobby Media Discussion Group. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Monday in the locker room for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy. Stop, stop, go! Don't <laughs> 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 <laughs>